Good morning again. I'm so happy to be with you in the season of Lent. Lent is about 40 days leading up to Easter where we consider what might be hindering our spiritual lives. In light of that, I feel really strongly about this. For Lent, we have to give up murder. We have to. Um, but this doesn't include my favorite murder, only murders in the building, how to get away with murder, Murder Murders, the Netflix show, and the podcast, uh, and the podcast, My Favorite Murder. It doesn't include this. For murder being something that we're not supposed to do, I'm definitely entertained by it a lot. Why is that the case? What is it about us humans that makes us intrigued by these scary and odd stories? What does it say about who we are and about how we want to be treated? Our scripture today, our first scripture, is from Exodus 20, verses 12 and 13. Honor your father and mother so that your life will be long in the fertile land that the Lord has given you. Do not kill. The word of God for the people of God. Let the church say. Okay, our two commandments for the day are number five and six. Honor your father and mother and do not kill. The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments are about our relationship to God, how we are supposed to honor God. And then the next six are all about our interactions with other people, our relationships with other people in our lives. Commandment six is really plain. It's really straightforward. We're supposed to interact with people by not killing them. I like that it seems easy to understand, and I like that it can stand alone. And I think it's because this law is so simple that Jesus uses it to tell another story. So we're also going to read Matthew 5, starting in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder, and all those who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to your brother or sister, you idiot, then you'll be in danger of, of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister, and come back and offer your gift. Be sure to make friends quickly with your opponent while you are on your way to court. Otherwise, they will haul you before the judge. The judge will turn you over to the officer of the court, and you'll be thrown into prison. I say to you in all seriousness that you won't get out of there until you've paid the very last penny. Jesus does not come to say that the laws from the Old Testament are invalid. He affirms them and then adds on. And this add-on would have taken the people aback. The people who are living at the time of Jesus would have been like, whoa, this is our ancient and sacred commandment that you're trying to mess with here. But Jesus says that just like the law has authority, I have authority. He places himself 
as the authority. And this embodiment of the commandment is important because Jesus is talking to us about something that goes deeper than the text of the law. The one on the books that says, don't kill, Jesus says, there's so much more here. There's something underneath. Underneath are our attitudes and our intentions, and they're not always super pretty. Sometimes we let our anger bubble up. Sometimes we let our anger rage. Sometimes we say mean things to one another. Sometimes we treat others as if they're incapable, or even worse, as if they're unworthy. The underlying problem is that we harm each other, and then we don't see the extent of the harm. We claim, well, I was just saying the truth, or they deserved it, as a cover-up. I actually do listen to true crime podcasts, and there's this podcaster named Sarah Marshall, and she has this opinion that as society, we're really obsessed with crime stories because it gives our pl a place for our fear to go. Whenever we're scared about the world and the dangers that are in the world, we can look somewhere far away and say, the crime is there. The scary thing is far away from me. I think it's really similar to us saying, look, I'm not a murderer. That bad person who committed that crime is far away from me. That's not who I am. But that's not the kind of life that Jesus calls us to live. It's like Ms. Paris was saying, um, if your mom asks you to clean your room because your room is always messy, me as a child, uh, and she is like, no, I'm serious. We're having company come over. You really actually have to clean your room. So you take all of your things and you shove them in the closet and then you shut the door, right? And then the company comes over and whenever they go to hang up their coat in the closet, they get hit with an avalanche of things. The room looked clean on the outside, but it wasn't about the room being clean. It was about my mom trying to show me how to show hospitality to those who come to visit us. Jesus cares that we don't murder people, but he also cares about the resentment that we've hidden away in the closet. One way we can unpack the closet just a little bit is to practice what the other commandment asked us to do, to show honor to our parents. Not everyone has the opportunity to do that. Um, not everyone has parents who are living, but none of us are exempt, don't worry. The, this command makes it to the top 10 for a reason. As the Israelite people look to start their new nation and they're deciding how to organize themselves and what their laws are going to be, right along with don't kill, we have honor your father and mother. It's so central, it made it in the top five. For many centuries, social services were not a part of society in the way that they are now. Um, when someone became a senior adult, their children needed to take care of them. There wouldn't be a retirement fund, there wouldn't be social security. So it was the job of the children to care for their parents and to provide for them financially till the end of their days. Actually, a son who was found to not be caring for their parents could be stoned in the street. The Hebrew word for honor is 
kavud, which means heavy or weighty, to be considered as weighty. The opposite of heavy is quila, which means light, and it's used to signify disrespect, to take something lightly, to trivialize, to neglect, to ignore. We treat our parents as weighty when we take them seriously, when we consider their values, whenever we consider their needs, when we consider their experiences. Or we can take them lightly, trivializing them, treating them as if they do not matter to us. Honoring someone, treating them as weighty and important, is the kind of life that Jesus is describing. And it doesn't have to be reserved for just our parents. When Jesus is dying on the cross, then he looks to the servant whom he loved. It's John, as written by John. He called himself the one Jesus loved. And he says, John, this is your mother. And then from the cross, Jesus looks at his mother Mary. He's dying and he's caring about his mother. And he says, this is your mother. This is the person who will take care of you. Who is it that we are called to take care of and honor who doesn't have anybody else to take care of them? In modern worship, Stephanie has been giving us some practices to take part in. So this week, our practice is going to be um, to spend time with someone who is lonely. Take them to dinner or give them a phone call. Treat them as weighty, like they're deserving of your care and concern and respect and time, because they are. One time, there were these two women who attended the church that I was working at. And they were older women, and once a week, at least once, they would come up to the church during the week and they would organize books or clean stuff or just take care of small tasks that needed to be done. And I would always know when they were coming, so I would come up out of my basement office and bring my lunch or bring my coffee and sit and talk with them while they worked. It wasn't anything very serious. We would talk about their grandchildren who are my age, or we would talk about where to take your car when you ran over a nail. But they never made me feel insignificant. They took my thoughts and my values seriously. They treated me as weighty. To an outsider, it may have looked like this large age gap meant we didn't have a lot in common. But the truth is, we were in similar life stages. I had gone from living in a home of six people to crowded dorms and apartments to living by myself for the very first time ever. Each of these women were also living a new life as a person who had lost their companion, one her best friend and one her husband. We were drawn to one another because we knew what it was like to be a little bit lonely. It was because of their situation that they could see what I need, what I needed. What does your life stage or your experience tell you about what someone needs? 
We all want to be treated as weighty, as weighty and valuable, and Jesus says we are. May we know that to be true deep in our souls, and may that inform how we treat others. Amen.